Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Very warm welcome to Headliner Radio. Today I have the pleasure of being joined by multi-platinum musician, singer, songwriter, rapper and record producer, the UK's very own example. Uh, El, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. That was a fucking intro and a half. (laughs) I had to get it in there, man. Come on, come on. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I just feel like the multi-platinum bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> a bit much. Uh, it's a bit much, yeah. It's, just sort of, it's, it's the truth, man. It's the truth, isn't it? Come on. Yeah, but when someone's introducing, like, Pink, yeah. you know, yeah, to yeah, yeah. Uh, onto the Jonathan Ross show, or something, <laughs> that's the kind of, when you kind of expect that. No, I had to, I had to pick it up, man. No, what's, what's been going on, though? How, like, what have you been up to today? Obviously, just, just now we said you... I've been um, uh, to yeah. the gym twice. Oh, mad. And I've been to the studio. And yeah, I've yeah. been... Um, I wrote two new songs. Okay, okay. Um, with a female songwriter and a producer who's just come in from Brighton. Like, to be honest, it's the first time. Wicked, wicked. I've been in the studio for, for about maybe three months. Like, oh, really? When I finished my album, which was about three, four months ago, mm-hmm. the main thing you want to do is just have a complete break from anything yeah. songwriting, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I know you've been, obviously you did Latitude and that Silverstone gig recently, which looked nuts, by the way. Um, well, I actually I did, I just did five gigs this weekend. Yeah, like, just gone. I did mad. five gigs in three days. Jeez. Uh, six hours on stage. We worked out that I did more steps than you do in the marathon. Um, I mean, <laughs> right I know most stage, people do right, marathon yeah. in three or four no, you hours. Get about, um, you get about on the stage, mate. I'll, I'll give you that. Like, yeah, hmm. it don't surprise me, but... Um, no, how is it to be? You know, I can tell you're buzzing to be back out playing shows again, though. Yeah, it's uh, to be honest. When you when you think how long I've been going for, I mean, yes, there's lots of artists who've been going longer than me, mm-hmm. but I feel kind of a bit unique because most of my peer group, yeah, um, yeah, you know, from when I was big, when I first had my breakthrough hits, you know, in like 2011, 2012. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to talk myself down. I'm still big now. I'm just not. Um, I'm probably not on radio as much as I used to be yeah, or I mean, on television, but yeah, the yeah. whole platform's changed now, you know, it's, it's kind of moved into a, a realm where it's, you know, you can be big on Instagram, you can be big on TikTok, you can be big on Spotify mm-hmm. and Apple, you can be big selling live tickets. And it used to kind of be like, you know, you, you were, I was playing on Radio 1 and Capital FM and Kiss FM and people just sort of, as soon as you're not on those stations, they assume you've retired. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. unless unless you follow me on Instagram, um, you know, regularly, um, you probably won't really know what I've been up to. And to be honest, I haven't stopped for 10 years. I haven't I had know, a break. Man, the only bit... break I had was COVID and, and everyone else had a break. Yeah, which was obviously a weird time. But no, I know, man, I know you, like, you've been relentless with this stuff and, um, and we'll come on to that because I know you've been, you know, you've been doing music, what, 16, 17 years now total. So yeah. We'll come on to we'll come on to that in a bit and, and sort of how you've seen the industry change and all that kind of stuff. But um, am I am I right in saying you live in Oz now? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I'm currently in, in my place in London. Yeah, but yeah of course, I live of course. in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice. I moved there for nearly five years ago. We were, we were just decided that the kids were you know needed a better life, and um, I think we moved at the right time because. We got to us and then there was kind of like not only a housing crash, you know, there was an economy, the whole Brexit thing, mm-hmm. um, then the COVID thing. And we were relatively lucky in Queensland, the state of Queensland where Brisbane is. Mm. Um, we only had like six weeks of lockdown, whereas, you know, oh, the rest wow. of the world had months and months and months. Yeah, yeah. We not only had the weather, we had 
you know, pretty much freedom. Um, and this, yeah, it's just, I've got my place in London for when I come and do gigs, yeah, yeah. but my home is now Australia. Yeah, mad. Mad. And no, no, they handled it way, di- way differently to we did. And obviously, like, you know, um, they, they sorted out their situation quite quickly by the sounds of it. Um, well, no, they, they, it's weird. What actually they did, they, they shut they the They just locked the borders, right? They just shut it down. And they, they yeah. got it all under control pretty quickly in um, Western Australia, which is where Perth is, and Queensland. Sydney was pretty good, um, New South Wales. Mm. Melbourne had it pretty tough. They were in lockdown for months, mm. pretty much like, you know, the rest of the UK, Europe, America. Yeah, yeah. But we were, um, Brisbane was really lucky, man, Like because they, they shut the borders to other states as well. Yeah, yeah. But then what happened is they were really slow at rolling out the vaccine. So we weren't able to travel. The rest of the world was opening up because okay. everyone had been, you know, triple vaxxed or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And Australia was really slow and quite far behind. So... Yeah. We had like the best of both worlds, but yeah, at different yeah. times to the rest of the world. Now, interesting time for you to be moving out there, like you say, you know, you know, all this, all this shit pops off as soon as you, as soon as you get out there. Like, yeah, it was very um, fortunate. Like you know, we didn't plan it. Yeah, um, well, we yeah, were just extremely yeah. lucky that it, it it just happened for us when it did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, listen, this this new um, new album. Um, I know what it's, it's. I think it's your eighth studio album now, but. Um, like obviously, having been through COVID, um, and I don't, I don't want to dwell on on that too much. But was it was this sort of like your your lockdown project kind of thing? Um, no, actually. So my it's weird because a lot of people missed it, and I don't, I don't get offended that they missed it. But my seventh album, Some yeah. Nights Last for Days, was written during lockdown. Okay, um, and recorded you know, remotely because yeah, yeah. we, you know, we were still able to go to recording studios, but mm-hmm. you know, one producer, one vocalist. Um, so I recorded that and then it was sort of mixed in the UK by people stuck in lockdown. And I just stuck it out as it's almost like a, a sharpening of the tools mm-hmm. exercise mm-hmm. for me lyrically, um, for songwriting, for rapping, for MCing. And that album, the people who heard it loved it. They said it was one of my best albums. Mm-hmm. You know, most, it wasn't heard by many people. So I didn't really promote it. It was just like a project for me to keep me yeah, yeah. occupied during lockdown. And we only had a short lockdown. So I wrote the whole of the seventh album in about six weeks. Then I started writing this eighth album about mm-hmm. six months later. And that was, um, you know, that's the one that just came out in June. This album, this eighth album, we took a lot more care with it. You know, mm-hmm. it took eight. Uh, eight nine months to make yeah, to yeah. write and record it then a few months to mix it um so i feel like the quality is a bit higher but i feel like this album this eighth album wouldn't have been as good if i hadn't have done the seventh one which was almost like training i was going to the gym yeah. you know what i mean yeah 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 no and th- obviously this new one is you know it's very rappy which i love um and um i feel that i feel that you know like you say kind of the seventh was kind of warming up for this because this is this is big this record um it sounds like the pandemic gave you like quite a bit of time you know a, a lot of a lot of musicians the same um to like get back in the studio and really just like dig in get back into um just get back in there and, and start making tunes yeah i mean the that this most of this album was made in Brisbane. The ten, ten tracks were recorded in Brisbane. The rest were recorded in London. Right. Um, and, you know, it's, it's like three drill hip-hop tracks, two drum and bass tracks, mm-hmm. uh, two house tracks, and the rest is actually UK Garage. Um, but because I'm rapping on nearly every track, it's got a real, real 
a lot of people have said it feels like my my early stuff. Yeah, I think I think um, so. Even, I think so. Although I've, I've, to be honest, I've rapped on every album <laughs> I've ever done. This I think maybe the tone of this one, yeah, for sure, it's quite cheeky. It's quite self reflective. Um, it's quite um, self deprecating, but also helpful. Yeah, um, you know, so hopeful. So I think it reminds people of like me. 10, 12 years ago when I was, you know, doing a lot of like, you know, similar upbeat stuff. Cause yeah, I went, yeah. I went quite dark in the middle of my career. Um, playing in the shadows, my third album, yeah. the evolution of man, my fourth album, live life living my fifth album. There was a lot of really dark moments on mm, there. Mm. Whereas this album was all quite, it's not really too much, uh, where you think, wow, this guy sounds a bit depressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was going to say, um, obviously the title, we may be old, but we never grow up. Um, which I'm, you know, big fan of that title it's it's like um obviously there's you know there's a bunch of big collabs on there um like i said it's very rappy which i love but you're kind of transcending genres again which you've sort of always done um and and the name and everything and the title track it sort of feels like a bit of a a full circle moment album it is a full circle album but i've read a couple of reviews um from fans um when it came out and a lot of people were saying it's like the ultimate example album it's like yeah it's yeah. just got a bit of everything I've done across my career. Yeah. It's got yeah. guitars, it's got synths, it's got loads of different tempos, it's got loads of fat bass, it's got lots of features. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real, like, it's quite a roller coaster of an album. It does flow well, but it's it pulls you in loads of different directions. Yeah, it does. And, and like I said about transcending genres, I love how you flip back and forth, and, and the, the, the UK garage element is, is one of my favourites. So, um, I mean, Deep is a banger, obviously. Faith is sick. Um, dot 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 and, and the title track actually i, I was i was mashing it in the uh, dancing around the kitchen earlier just skanking to uh to to the tracks but have you got a favorite one on there um i know it's a bit of a it's a bit of a loaded question when you're when you're making so much music um, and you probably love original, them all in their own way but original is probably my favorite like deep yeah, deep yeah. is amazing to perform yeah yeah um just because like drum and bass just really gets the crowd going loopy so yeah there's not I find with drum and bass is even if people haven't heard deep or never let you down, which are the two drum and bass tracks on the album, yeah. if people haven't heard it, they still go absolutely mental. Yeah. Um, because yeah. just drum and bass just does that to people. And when we was at latitude, for instance, at the weekend, you had like four or five year old kids on shoulders. You had sort of 18 to 25 year old, you know, sort of student raver types, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. in mosh pits, you had dads with their partners, you know, the mums and dads. You had yeah. a couple of people in their 60s at the back who looked like, you know, love they'd that. been going to festivals yeah, for 30, that, 40 man. years. Yeah. So it was, it was amazing to see um, drum and bass do that to people. Another track, which I haven't put in a set yet, is Original, mm. which is probably, I think, the fastest, most complex rapping I've ever done. Yeah. It's, um, it's quite, it's talking about some pretty deep subjects. It's like quite, it's like a self-analysis mm. and that track I'm, I'm going to probably put in the set in my next UK tour. Okay. Sick. Um, but yeah, it's uh, nice. I feel like I'm, I'm calming down a bit in terms of my singing. I'm, I'm singing a lot more relaxed yeah. in my tone. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit more palatable to more ears. And, but I also feel my rapping's improving and yeah, you know, it's sort of like, more complex but it's also less aggressive maybe than it has been in the past but like you say i think like that cheeky element comes in on this latest record as well um which a lot of people love you for but um uh, before we talk about some of the other stuff you've been up to um recently i want want to go back and talk about a little bit about your like early relationship with music because i know hip-hop was was probably your heaviest influence i know you were doing rap battles at house parties all that kind of stuff 
Um, mm. tell, us a, tell us a little bit about that, um, sort of in your own words, growing up and, and sort of how you, I guess, how you eventually fell in love with, with music. Um, it, I mean, like, my mum and dad aren't really musical people. In, they don't play instruments. Okay, fair. But they do, they always filled the house with music, you yeah. know, whether it was Motown or The Kinks or, you know, Diana Ross or Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder, The Beatles. It was always music in the house and it was always pretty loud as well. Um, and I think I got my first sort of education and introduction it through that it was, yeah, yeah. It was it, sure. despite them not playing instruments a very musical house my sister started playing piano then i started playing piano then i started playing drums yeah. and around the same time as i started rapping which probably was like nine or ten years old and then i started writing my own rhymes when i was like 12 or 13 just almost was like um a bit of protection in the playground if yeah. that makes sense yeah because like, yeah. i was so i was so bad at football <laughs> um i was good at running in a straight line and swimming <laughs> in a straight line, but I wasn't really good at team sports. So yeah, you the rapping kind of, yeah. Um, yeah. it gave me a little bit of acceptance. I was a massive geek at school, mm. but I feel like me being able to recite lots of other rappers' lyrics gave me a little bit of credibility, which you obviously are desperate for when you're like 14. Yeah, yeah. You just want acceptance and you want your opposite sex to fancy you. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, you want to be loved and adored and you don't really know who you are. But it wasn't until... You know, there's a lot of rappers now are rapping at such a young age that they almost have an identity by the time they're 15 as a rapper. Yeah, yeah. Whereas UK rapping in the UK was still relatively new. It was like an underground thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had, you know, in America, we had rappers. In the UK, we did, but they weren't really, you know, they had like MCs over dance music yeah. and soul, yeah. but you, there wasn't out and out scene yeah. that was a, a widely spread. And it wasn't until like Dizzy Rascal and Mike Skinner that, I was like, oh my God, you can actually rap for the British accent and yeah. do it for a living. Yeah, yeah. Even though like a lot of people class me as a singer now, depending on what, you know, which of my stuff you're into. Mm. Um, Cause I've got such a massive catalog of yeah, yeah. different sounds. I think I, I, everything I do, even when I sing and write lyrics, that I'm going to sing. I think of it like a rapper. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's all storytelling. It comes straight from the heart. It's only talking about my own experiences. And I'm always been trying to be clever with a wordplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think, uh, yeah. Obviously, you you started off as a as a kind of pure rapper, and like you say, um, uh, have kind of been labelled a singer along the way. But I think, I think, like in the core, um, I, I would call you a rapper. Do you know what I mean? And, and like I say, I feel like this this new record has kind of like reflected your kind of like complete journey from rapper to singer and back again. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, in, no, a, in a kind that, of in a kind of roundabout way, but um, I'm reading a quote here, mate, and I've, I've, I don't know when you said this, but um, it's it's jokes. I was uh, obviously you know reading about you going doing rap battles at house parties and that, and um, you completely destroyed a useless wanker and a fight broke out, so he sprinted home. Yeah, I mean, people have brought that quote up for years. I, I was going to say, thing. <laughs> you say something once as you've been thrown out of Wikipedia. <laughs> And it just gets completely taken out of context. Yeah, I'm it's sure it has. Not really, yeah. not really helpful to anyone. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> but, it yeah. probably probably just got more and more exaggerated as time went by. Yeah, probably wrecked him though, same way. But um, this uh, uh, deep the the track, um, you you actually recorded it on tour, right? Um, yeah, it's mad. Right? We I got the story behind deep is like beautiful because it's exactly kind of how 
music the, the best music's made sometimes yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like simple and with little fuss and completely organic like boo who's the, the uh, producer dj on it drum and bass guy yeah he's like one of the hottest you know young guys in this new generation like you've got you know people from my generation like sub focus and chasing status mm-hmm. and then obviously the forefathers of drum and bass before that you know your andy c's and goldies yeah, and yeah. fabio and groove rider and then there's this new new pl- uh, flock of kids you know like they're all like in their early 20s and boo is like probably the biggest name in that scene okay and it's weird because i'd never i've always been a massive drum and bass fan um and i've never really i've never recorded a drum and bass song i've had drum and bass remixes of yeah, me yeah so you would hear my voice in a drum and bass rave but wasn't ever an original song it was a remix yeah so i basically met boo backstage he was like oh, i'm gonna make you something and i honestly thought i didn't know whether i was gonna get a um, a drum and bass song or a trap song or a house song yeah, because yeah. a lot of drum and bass guys are very particular about who sings on their songs. Yes. You know, that's like, yeah. um, it's one of those scenes where it is very much about... The vocal's got to be you know, spot on, right? It's got to be Yeah, right vocal's got to be that, but it's song, like, yeah. who, is, who, who is the rap, who's the feature, what's their story, where are they from, you know, are they credible, all yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, but a boo a bit like canine on this other track they're from this new flock of drama bass producers where they're kind of just fans of good music so yeah, yeah. they don't overthink the feature choices and they were basically uh boo just came to much more manchester show made me a beat the same night so i think he was working till maybe 4 a.m mm. and sent it to me the next day on my day off which was a sunday and then on the sunday i wrote the chorus on the monday i had a gig in bristol mm. uh on the way back from uh, Norwich on the Tuesday, I was in the car with Nono, who's my support act. Yeah. Um, Brazilian chick, lives in London. And she was humming along another verse section. And then I said, right, let's get into the studio tomorrow. So we recorded it on the Wednesday, performed it on the Friday in Birmingham, and then performed Man. it in London, Brixton on the Saturday. Man, so turned it around in a week. You're talking yeah. about a seven-day period from it That's mad. being created to being performed. And then it became the next single. That's mad. Uh, that's cool, man. That's, that's that's really mad to hear how, how that come together. Are you... It's utter madness. I was going to say, it sounds like madness, like studio times, like stage time, just all, yeah, you know, it, it don't stop. But are you um, are you often making tunes on the move? Like, what's your sort of production setup like these days? I, I, I like to be in studio. Like, yeah, okay. I, yeah. I, w- I would only record on a tour bus, you know, you know, if I you happened to right meet team. someone yeah. at a festival yeah. and they were one of the biggest producer artists in the world and they were like, come on, let's do a song. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably be happy to jump in the studio with them then. But if it's kind of on my terms, I like to um, be in a studio where I'm comfortable that I've been to before. And I usually like to be in and out pretty quickly because my, my ADHD doesn't allow me to sit still for very long. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, you know, like today I got in the studio at like 10... I was done by two. I'd recorded two songs. Yeah. And I was like, sorry, I'm off, guys. The producer was like, oh, is everything all right? I was like, mate, everything's great. I just want to go. Just want to go. All right. <laughs> and I went, I know, I'll drive home. I've got an interview. I'm going to go back to the gym for a second. Like, yeah. that's a thing. <laughs> now, they can be weird places, studios. And like you say, sometimes you can, you know, spend just like the time that you need, get the job done, get out, um, whatever. But exactly. um, what's, your, what's your kind of, I mean, obviously... I imagine it will it will vary depending on what kind of track 
you're working on now but what's your general creative process like in the studio are you doing things mostly like in the box on your laptop have you got like some instrument instruments and outboard knocking about that kind of stuff um like to be honest, I, I will use, more often than not get to the studio and a producer will maybe have a riff a guitar riff yeah um for me a synth riff piano riff something like that um i usually come up with a bass lines yeah. um that seems to be my thing is writing hooky bass lines mm-hmm. but i would do them in a way where i um i write i i hum it and then they sort of play it back to me yeah, yeah so yeah. I, I, I use i'm usually better off if i can work with someone who is really good at just hearing my really badly sung ideas <laughs> and, and turning them into yeah. something really good yeah. so that's that kind of like the process um and then i'm i'm pretty good at like helping finish the tracks depending on who i'm with you know i'll be like yeah we need to change the snare we need new sound effects i might beatbox a certain shuffle yeah and then they play that shuffle in, and we look through splice together to grab a load of samples. Yeah. And and then I'm pretty good at structuring the song as well. So I, I'm usually the one who decides how long the intro is, whether we've got a verse, a chorus, a pre-chorus, whatever. Mm-hmm. And is that so? Yeah, it's just, I've, I've become a lot more hands-on. Than yeah, I, used I, was, to be. I was literally about to say that. Um, and I, I suppose lockdown is it would would have been another um excuse for you to sort of because uh, you know a lot of guys and girls i've been chatting to use lockdown as a chance to like get right back into production and like or if they hadn't learned it learn it before like just completely learn it from scratch or like get yeah get back into it or whatever but has that um has that process for you um making a track like changed and sort of evolved over the years l because i know you said like obviously for this album you were you know honing your rapping and and stuff like that you know yeah, it's it's changed loads. Like you know, when I made kickstarts with Subfocus, he sent. I went into the studio. He played me four or five beats. That was one of them, mm. and it had the iconic. Big riff that everyone knows, and it had a bass line which just went ding 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 ding. That chugging bass line, you know, that so many big indie bands use, like the Killers or whatever. And that's all it had. Didn't have any drums, anything. And I kind of went away. I went, I memorized the song in my head, went to the studio. Um, so I went for a run, wrote the song in my head. Um, you know, I must have, like, not to the music. Like I sort of had the beat going around yeah, the loop yeah. in my head. Um, Cause I, I actually, weirdly enough, don't usually write to music. <laughs> I Just, usually yeah. listen to a beat or listen to a riff and then write to silence. Yeah, yeah. Um, because my, my, my weird brain can't handle it. <laughs> um, and it was uh, it was pretty awesome because like Nick Subfocus just went and kind of turned a really rough idea, vocal idea, into a full song. Yeah, and he's such a scientist. You know, I think the one we got to ended up releasing was like version twenty seven. Yeah. He's such a perfectionist. Whereas the more you work with great people, you know, whether it's Scream, Calvin Harris, Chase the Status, you learn something different from each one of those. And yeah. like, yeah. you know, I've released eight albums, four mixtapes, two compilations. Mm. But on my laptop, I have over 800 unreleased songs. So songs that the public may never, will probably never hear. But every one of those is what I like to call a sharpening of the tools. Mm. Every one of them is an experience that even though you may feel the song was wasted, um, because no one's ever heard it, it is actually really quite useful. um, Because you learned something in that session or you had a lyric idea that wasn't quite right, but then you got to reuse that lyric idea maybe 
um, you know, two, three years later. Yeah. And, yeah. but you've refined it. See, I'm, I'm certain that on this album, you hear a lyric like, um, deep in your eyes, everything they say, see into your soul, okay, for another day. Like, that's quite generic for me compared to some stuff I've done in the yeah, past. Yeah, yeah. But probably three years ago, I tried to write a song called Deep in Your Eyes mm. and I couldn't get the phrasing right. And therefore, the song was never finished. So you come back to ideas either consciously or subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it gives you, like you say, it gives you that kind of musical context then going forward. Like you say, if you don't use the idea then, um, it yeah. will just give you that kind of ammo uh, in the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. I mean, you've played, uh, just coming back to playing some shows, um, L, because you've, you know, you've collaborated and played shows with like some 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 huge artists, man, um, of like the same kind of calibre as, as yourself. Um, and I'm reading you, you booked in 40 festivals this summer. You've just said, told me you've done five in three days, which is nuts anyway. Um, yeah. but what are you, what are you sort of most looking forward to show wise? Cause I know you've got, um, well, I've already done these... some of the biggest ones. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like yeah. Creamfields. Um, I was going to say that must've been, massive. that must've been pretty Silverstone good. Silverstone was massive. Yeah. Neighborhood weekender in Manchester. Um, like Latitude was huge, Stan and Corner was huge. This weekend, we've got Loose Fest in Newcastle, which is a big one. Mm. Um, Camp Festival on Sunday, that's another big one. Yeah. Benicassine, we played in Spain. Very that's sick. like yeah. one of the biggest festivals nice. in Europe. Like, so we're, we're pretty much, you know, we've got something big on every weekend. So it's kind of hard to say what we're looking forward to because we're looking... Looking forward to all of them. It's just constant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. Have you um have you done your residency in Ibiza as well? Is that has that been done? We actually decided to pull Ibiza, and that the main reason for that is the travel around Europe at the moment is oh, so shit, mental. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's just kind of too stressful. Yeah, that makes um, sense. And I don't want people buying tickets for shows where there's a small chance I have to cancel because of flight yeah. delays. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't want to be traveling on a Monday when I can hardly walk, you know, because my legs yeah, are so yeah. tired from the weekend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we kind of sure, made the executive right. decision and I think it was the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, yeah, it's too much stress, like you say. Um, I'm just reading here as well. Well, you got, um, when, when was this? You got an honorary doctorate of music from Royal Holloway. Um, was that recent? Yeah, that was last summer. That, that was, was recent, last, yeah. Last August, I got honorary doctorate. That's pretty sick. Pretty nice to yeah. be... Um, sort of recognized in that way like you know on paper so to speak yeah for sure it was um it was pretty crazy um yeah. like they don't give them out willy-nilly no no you know i was I mean? gonna say they, I was um, gonna say, yeah. they give them out to, uh, certainly in terms of musicians they don't give them out that often it's like every it's pretty cool man four or five years they someone you know musician gets the gets the uh the, the honorary doctorate so yeah yeah obviously you uh, prefer, that was one that was kind of one that i felt for my mum and dad and my auntie. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That was a really... 100%. You know, I don't think it's necessarily changed my life, but it'd be something that they are extremely proud of. And obviously, they're very... I'm very honoured that yeah, yeah, they gave it sure, to me. For sure. Yeah, like, come on, mum, got my uh, got my degree now. Come on. Uh, well, actually, I've got... <laughs> I, I got... I, I started getting tattoos last year after I came out of quarantine. Yeah. Um. And my mum and dad originally flipped because they were just like a bit shocked by it because I had no tattoos and mm. now I've got like 43. <laughs> and my mum was like a bit more um, understanding than my dad. But I was like, look, they all mean something. I was yeah. like, I've got 
my you know some stuff for my kids stuff for my family i've got um all my top top tens yeah i've got a microphone fantastic. i've got a bit of film um strip for my love of films i've yeah. got doctor of music um yeah come on so i was just like it's, you know, because my dad always used to say he'd maybe get a tattoo of the Olympic rings if he won the Olympic gold. Yeah. And I was just like, well, I've achieved <laughs> enough. You guys should be kind of proud of me, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm but sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a few on. more next week. So it's oh, kind wicked. of, I don't know if it's going to stop now. No, I was going to say it's a snowball effect, man. A couple of my pals, same thing. You get one and then, uh, and then that's it. You're, uh... Well, I got six of my first go. So yeah, got, <laughs> there's no way I'm just going to get one and be happy yeah man no, i like your style man um i mean yeah just just generally speaking um i mean this is a bit of a loaded question as well but you know after what like i said nearly six you know 16 17 years doing your thing um and very successfully obviously i know it's it's been a roller coaster um what do you think um is the biggest change you've seen happen in the music industry l and um and and sort of what are your thoughts on you know we we touched on social media culture and all that kind of stuff and, and how big of a part it plays in music now. But what are your thoughts on sort of staying relevant um, in music when things are like constantly evolving? Uh, I think when people try and stay relevant or maybe be conscious that that's that maybe the start of the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've realized that the best thing you can do is make, firstly make music you love um, only perform songs, you know, or record songs you can actually imagine performing and selling them, you know, mm -hmm. as, you know, reflections of yourself, because that's very important. I think the, on top of that, what's really key is, um, you know, just knowing where your fans are. And obviously when you start out, it's hard to know where your fans mm -hmm. are. I kind of know now that they're not on TikTok and, you know, maybe there are new fans to be found on TikTok, but yeah. most of mine are on Instagram, a few of them on Twitter, a few of them, on facebook mm -hmm. but my thing is selling gig tickets and playing festivals that's like yeah yeah there might be someone who can do 100 million streams on every release i'm i might be the guy who only does five million streams on every mm -hmm. release but if i put on the best gigs possible play all the classics then i'm probably going to be on the festival bill above that guy with 100, you know, 100 million more yeah, streams yeah. so it's just about yeah like you say it's a loaded question but it's <laughs> Yeah, I bad. really think just the way you have to start is you have to try and do everything you, you can yourself. So yeah. run your Instagram, shoot your own music videos. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, shoot music videos doesn't have to be big budget nowadays. You can shoot music videos on your on your phone if you want and edit them mm -hmm. on your phone. Um, your music videos can be 40 seconds long. They don't have to be three minutes. You should, if you can do your own artwork, you know, you can take the picture on your iPhone and the artwork can be uploaded from your phone. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's all for me about the homemade approach. And it's about, you know, rather than spending 20 grand on a music video, maybe shoot a video for three grand and then spend a few, a few grand on uh, advertising. Yeah. You know, push, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, you know, YouTube adverts, Spotify adverts, grow your fan base. It's really, um, it's different for everyone. Yeah, 100%. 100% brother and, and talking about homegrown um obviously you did that video in um Chernobyl that Chernobyl video um yeah the blood which was which was mad but um yeah and obviously um a bunch of sick videos since then but um I, I want to talk a little bit about uh your charity work as well um El, I know you're very passionate about um uh cancer charities and rightly so um and obviously it's great to use your platform for that um 
you were on the Great Celebrity Bake Off, which must have been a laugh. Yeah, that was hilarious. To be fair, like it was, it, was it looked hilarious. Jokes. It was no, like it, it was jokes. it was just really calming. It was a really nice set to be on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think because you know, I've done stand up to cancel Gogglebox a few times. Yes, yes. Um, they were like, this guy's fun on TV. You know, he's got plenty to chat yeah, about. Yeah. Um, so it was really nice to not only do it for a great cause, you know, because all the celebs go on there. Yeah. You don't get paid. You just do it out, out the kindness of your heart. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> I love cooking, but didn't know I could bake. But then within the first few hours, I was like, I've got the hang of well, this. You won it. You won still... it, right? Like, yeah, on. I won it. But it was, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always had the association with uh, Teenage Cancer Trust anyway. Mm. Um, and I've, I've been visited loads of wards around the country. So, it's a very easy thing, which, you know, more people should do. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of the time when you're on tour, you wake up and you've got six, seven hours to kill before sound check. So mm-hmm. it's very easy to just nip off down to the local, um, you know, teenage cancer ward and meet, I don't know, 20 kids, 30 kids, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and I just wish, I wish that I did more. But mm-hmm. I mean, I certainly wish that there's people out there who don't do anything who did a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I generally, generally and genuinely try to use my profile um for good you know to improve people's lives yeah, or to yeah. uh make people's day or to i, I call it random acts of kindness yeah, you know it's yeah, like yeah. i buy a fan a car i treat some fans to dinner um you know i put random people on the guest list i yeah, give yeah. some of my trainers after a show and it's really you know it's genuine but it can work for me in a kind of good press way <laughs> um but it's just it does come from the heart it's like i do enjoy seeing people smile and you know something's made their day yeah lovely stuff mate what are you most looking forward to for the rest of the year well i know obviously other than shows um obviously you've got a, a whole madness of shows coming up but what else have you got in the pipeline um i will probably release one more music video off this album okay uh probably dot 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 i think i've just got to shoot yeah, that next week um, there's already a clip on my Insta of like the first few verses we yeah. shot in Brisbane. Yeah. I've got 10 more shows left to do. Okay. Um, you know, and then I get back to uh, Brisbane and my little, my little one, um, he turns five. Mad. Um, and then I've got a few shows in Australia, New Zealand. I might be coming back to do some freshers balls in the UK. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. but realistically, I'm, I'm probably going to five, six months off. Yeah. Well, listen, you'll probably need it after this run, I'll tell you. Yeah, it's it's a pretty crazy... My voice is about just about holding out. My um, my my legs aren't. But yeah. <laughs> we, we may... Everyone knows about coming to my shows nice. and just energy. seeing energy. Yeah, listen... But I'm I pretty love... sure we might have to slow the energy down. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, don't... Oh, just crank it, just crank it down slightly... Just slightly... well, I may have to just start traveling with like a, a, a whole team of physios. <laughs> you know, like when you watch the Cristiano Ronaldo documentary and you're Warming like, this guy to operate at the highest level, he's got, he's got um, a masseuse, he's got a, a yeah. sports therapist, a psychologist, a nutritionist. You need all of that. I may have to just spend all my money on all of those things. Yeah, bruv. Yeah. I'll be broke, but 
I'll still be able to jump around. You'll be the healthiest musician yeah. out there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I think that's, um, that's cool. I think that's a nice, nice place for us to leave it, L. But listen, I've always been a fan. I've, you know, um, I remember seeing the Nando skank with Ed for the first time when I was at school and, and bloody loving it. And, um, you know, those simpler times Good there. But, um, well, mate, if yeah. you want to hit up Jess and ever ask for some you know for a guest list just let them know yeah come on appreciate that man uh, love for that all um, good, man. listen um yeah thanks again now for your time it's, it's been great all the best with everything you've got going on at the moment um yeah i think that's a nice place for Thank us to wrap so it up but yeah thanks so much for your time headliner radio supporting the creative community